Hey, it's Jose Galison. You're watching No Way Jose. You can find me on No Way Jose YouTube channel, all the major audio podcasters, and Odyssey as well. Uh, credit to Justin Campbell for the intro, uh, at jcamp1521 if you want to find him on Twitter. Uh, you can hit him up if you're trying to get shit like this, you know, uh, whether it be intros or uh, edit, you know, whether it be clips or what have you. There's a lot of stuff like that. If you're someone with a podcast that's looking for shit like that, go to him up. I'm sure he'd be open to commissions. Uh, I mean, if uh, if not, you know, worst case scenario tells you no, but he's definitely done it in the past. Uh, today, my guest is Brandon Caserta. I do want to remind you guys, I think the last one we didn't do the paywall thing. But for this one, we will. So uh, it, the deal is, if you're watching on the 8th, uh, it's 9.40 right now. If you're watching this live stream, you're getting the public version. But immediately after the stream, I'm going to put it you know, put it behind the paywall, and then it won't go up till a week or so later. I'm not sure when this one will drop, because I actually have a bunch saved up right now, so I'm not sure when I'll drop this one. But either way, uh, you know, it, if you want to catch it, either you catch the live stream, or you got to be a patron at patreon.com, Jose 2020 or you can also go to Odyssey because it mirrors it, and then you don't have to be a patron. Uh, but you can, you know, I can, you know, siphon people over to Odyssey. That way, I don't have to deal with uh, the inevitable day when I finally get nuked entirely off of YouTube. I can have some sort of backup on Odyssey. But yeah, go do that. Uh, you know, choose one of those options. You know, catch the live stream, wait for it to drop, Odyssey or Patreon. Uh, with the, or Patreon. With the Patreon, the lowest level is two bucks, and that gets you the access to the episodes. And then I have different different levels having different perks. The highest level being 20. And those are my sponsors. I read them off every episode. I have CD McRae of the Whiskey and Tea Podcast. Jeremy, who has an Etsy store, uh, Etsy.com slash shop slash Raising Liberty. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Jeremy Rhymes. And then Mikel Thorpe of the Expat Money Show. Uh, we're continuing uh, with Brandon, our coverage of uh, all the craziness that was revealed in the uh, Michigan kidnapping plot trials. Uh, so I, I'm, I think we'll probably have another episode, probably this one, another one. We'll see. I doubt I'll be able to cover all of it in this. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, um, I do want to remind you guys, check out my OKC series. Uh, and also I have my episode 171 of my show, which had Duncan Lemp's widow, Casey Robinson on there. And then I also have Dave Smith coming on on the 12th. So if you mean, if you're watching this when it drops, it already have happened, uh, you know, when it goes you know later publicly, if you're watching the live stream, obviously you can pop in on Monday and see that I'll have Dave Smith, uh, uh, Clint Russell, Reed Coverdale, and Top Lobster. All of us will be on for a uh, kind of a roundtable type thing. It should be fun. Uh, make sure, you know, I mentioned Top Lobster. Go toplobster.com. Use Jose at checkout for 10% off. You can get my merch. You can get Tower Power merch. You can actually all the guys I mentioned there, except for Dave Smith, he has his merch on there. Uh, so you go, yeah, go check that out. He also has some of his other stuff that's not podcast merch stuff. Uh, he has a lot of good stuff. Uh, he's, he's, he's definitely, you know, he's moving up in the world these days. So go check out his shit. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and get Brandon in here and get to it. Hey, what's up, man? Yo, what's going on? Yeah, not much, not much. Let's get into it. Actually, you know what? First, go ahead and drop. You know, let's do a little bit. Of, uh, we start out with Grifton. We'll continue a little more Grifton. Uh, get, let me know your uh, all your stuff. Where can we send people to check out your content? Uh, so. Yeah, so if you uh, want to find me on TikTok, uh, my username is kinetic underscore truth. And then... Uh, same thing on Instagram also. Um, I also have a give, send, go. If you guys want to donate to someone whose life has been totally ruined by the government. And it's been almost impossible to get a job uh, right now because everyone finds out who I am. And they're like, eh, no. But uh, you can find my give, send, go at givesendgo.com uh, slash kinetic truth. You can find me there. And then I'm also on Twitter and uh, Facebook. 
posting um, some content on there too. And that's just my first name at uh, or first name underscore Caserta. All right. Awesome. Let's go ahead and get into it. We're talking about all the craziness that happened uh, with all this, you know, the shenanigans with the, the trials and stuff. I uh, kind of want to talk on uh, first off, we have, uh, I mean, this, this is going to be a little bit disparate and all over the place because there's so much stuff. I kind of want to touch on some of the stuff uh, I was going through it and Mr. Kessler, which I guess was one of the main, uh, you know, attorneys against you guys. Uh, it was. I thought it was kind of funny. He defended the use of all the informants and made a point to remind the jury there's no limit uh, to the amount. Uh, you, you want to remind the audience how many uh, fucking informants there were involved in this whole shenanigan? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, an argument that the defense was trying to make is like, you know, hey, this is obviously an FBI operation. Um, look at how many informants were involved in this. Usually what you have in a criminal case is you have maybe one or two informants that are kind of like light posts. They just sit back, don't do anything, just record, you know, and, and, and monitor and whatever. Right. Well, you know, the defense is like, there's more informants involved in this case than there are even people charged. So obviously, you know, it, it kind of, it's not like, you know, set in stone, but it's kind of suspicious. Like, well, why did you you know, why did you do that? And Nils Kessler knew, you know, he knew what the government did, but his logic is like, well, you know, there's no limit to like how many informants we can have. So I just want to let you know that because, you know, the law said so. Yeah, which is kind of like, okay, cool. Yeah, no one's saying you can't, but uh, it kind of paints a picture. Uh, <laughs> um, right. I, did, I did want to bring up the encrypted chats because I guess that, that was one thing I thought was crazy. The, uh, the, uh, um, the, uh, the state brought up the fact that you guys were in an encrypted chat, and I guess they were trying to you know, make the implication that you guys were in, in an encrypted chat, that like you had something to hide. Which uh, I mean, a lot of people just use encrypted chats just to use them these days. I'm on Signal and a few other things just because a lot of them are actually just kind of convenient too. They're they're getting they're getting to be kind of some of them are getting to be pretty nice, and I, I like them better than normal messaging personally. But even even that aside, I don't know. It's nice to have a little bit of an extra thing. But he tried to bring up that point, and uh, apparently the the encrypted chat was made by Dan Chapel, uh, one of the informants. So his whole point was kind of fucking moot to begin with in general. Uh, I mean, were you part of that encrypted chat and do you recall them? Bringing yeah. So, that up? yeah. So I was in like maybe one or two now, mind you, you know, this wasn't really like a group, like, you know, a, a, a group, really group, really what it was, was a bunch of individuals who were in a chat room called, you know, the Wolverine Watchmen and where, you know, there's like 30 people in there and some of them are splintered off into other places, but yeah, the, the lead agent, uh, Jason Chambers, actually was telling Dan Chappell to make a whole nother chat room because we didn't want Adam in our chat room. You know, our so-called leader, we didn't want him involved in our chat room. So, you know, the government's like, man, we got to try to connect Adam to these guys. So, OK, Dan, why don't you just make a, a, a chat room, a second one, and then see if those guys want to come in that one. So, you know, they can we can we can they can make it appear like we're actually involved and communicate together, you know? Yeah, for sure. All right. Next, uh, I want to ask you this question. Was any of the events whatsoever that you guys had was that were they not organized and or financed by the feds or were they all completely fed contrived bullshit? 
that you were aware of? Uh, yeah. So let's see, you know, the last, the last training we did in Luther, um, that wasn't like, now the feds did, uh, pick people up and bring them there, come to find out. But, uh, as far as like, you know, there was really no like financing as far as food and stuff like that. Now, some of the people, they stayed in hotel rooms. I don't know if the feds paid for like, you know, someone like Barry or, or whoever didn't stay at the actual campsite. I think their hotel rooms were paid for, but you know, the training specifically was at that last training event and all the ones prior was specifically ran by the informant Dan Chapel and with the help of the undercover federal agent UCE Red. Yeah, which we'll get into Red uh, in, in a second. I, I do want to touch on that because that's a big point and one thing they really try to stick you on. There was there was one little aspect of that whole Red uh, thing that they kind of they did get pretty fucky that they admitted to later on. Uh, I did want to point out that uh, they, the the, uh, the state tried to make the case that it's okay. And this is actually true. I, I've, been, I've done a lot of reading on uh, on informants and how, how they operate and stuff recently. This is 100%, you know, how it, it works. But I do think people should be aware that he said it's completely okay for the government to create opportunities for people to commit a crime and pay for the crime and basically do everything. They can completely contrive an entire situation uh, with someone who probably never would have done anything in the first place and, you know, put everything in your hands. And then you have to you know, how it's supposed to work is you guys then do the action and they go, we got you. The, the, the funny thing is about you guys' situation, you guys didn't even do the action. We're like most informants situations. It's like they set up a whole thing, you know, that it's pretty common with like terrorism. They'll set up like a, they'll get some poor, you know, poor guy down his luck that has a name like Muhammad. And then they'll like, yep. you know, they'll completely become friends and, you know, uh, you know, be all in his life and then, you know, set up a whole situation and, like do everything, finance it, basically feed all the ideas. And then, and then, then you're like, okay, you need to hit this button. You'll set off the bomb. And then they do it. And then, Oh, fed swoop in. Um, but with you guys, they basically did that, but didn't, you guys actually didn't do anything, which is what's wild. So I, I did think it was crazy. They brought that up. I just want to let people know, because I know a lot of people haven't done reading this stuff and don't understand how these operations work. They will do that. Like you, you may think like, Oh, that's not a thing that happens. They do it. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I want to reiterate this also, I believe I might've said it last time, but if I haven't, I want to say it again, you know, they, you can like, for me, I got caught up in something that I literally wasn't involved in or didn't do at all. Like when Jose is talking about the reality that legally these agents are allowed to literally formulate a crime that's illegal and then engage in that crime or get someone to say that they wanted to do that crime at this point in this case that just happened you don't even have to be there you don't even have to say you wanted to do it you just merely have to be associated in some vague way with the government agent or whatever like if you saw him last week and ate lunch with them you agreed to this you know what i'm saying and uh, it's pretty crazy what they're allowed to get away with. One thing I want to touch on real quick before you go, Jose, is um, it, it involves this dynamic. Now, I don't know if you guys remember the uh, girl who was dating this guy, right? And he was like suicidal and stuff. And he was like, you know, talking about he wanted to kill himself or whatever. And she was essentially like, whatever, bro, like do it. Like, I don't care. Like, leave me alone. Right. Well, 
you know, yeah, her sentence wasn't like extreme or anything, but she was found guilty of that. And she was held accountable for that. And it's, it's kind of, you know, a double standard that when a citizen or a regular person, you know, is somewhat associated vaguely in something, the government always wants to hold them accountable. But if the government is involved in the crime, they're completely absolved of any responsibility for what happens. It's, it's, it's a total double standard and it's just, it's wrong is what it is. Yeah, yeah, I do think, once again, I just want to make the point, I think people need to be aware of that. If anyone's trying to get you to any legal action, you know, they're they're probably a Fed. Uh, <laughs> so uh, keep that in mind. There is a long list of people they've done this to, uh, and yep. it's, it's actually kind of sad when you go into it because it usually is people like Fox, which we'll get into. But I, I want to go into Red. Tell me about this guy, Red. Uh <laughs> Yeah, so Red, you know, he kind of played like a similar role as uh, Dan Chappell, the lead informant, just not as, I guess, not as intense as Dan because he really wasn't there for that long. You know what I mean? They they tried so hard to get people interested in, in uh, bang bangs and stuff like that and boom booms. But no one really, they would just kind of like thought it was cool. Like, oh, cool. Yeah, that'd be nice. You know what I'm saying? Um, but no one actually made any effort or anything like that to to acquire that. So the government was having a real problem. They want that extra, uh, you know, conviction out there. They want that extra um, that that uh, they wanted more theater to be added onto the story to make it look worse than what it was. So they had to bring Red in and. Red is a FBI agent from, I believe, California area, flew all the way out here on uh, taxpayer dime. And his role was essentially just like, hey, show these guys a video of a boom boom that you made and then try to get them to agree to buy it off you. You know what I'm saying? So he shows this video to some people. I wasn't even around. Um you know, and, and, and some of the people he showed it to were most like the people who were like, oh man, that's sweet. were other informants. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like all the informants were like, oh man, that's cool. Like getting all up in there. You know what I mean? And, uh, he did, he, so he, he showed the video of that and was like, acted like he could get it. No one had the money. Like no one even wanted to get there. Like, yeah, I'm broke, bro. I got to go to work tomorrow. Like blah, blah, blah. So he's like, oh, well, what about like, you know, a thousand dollars? And this is stuff I found out in the discovery later on. Right. So he's like, Oh, what about that? You know, a little bit less, a little bit less. He kept knocking it down until like, he was like, all right, fine. I'll just, just do it on an IOU. I'll just give it to you guys, you know, for free or whatever. Right. And, uh, you know, like I said, again, I wasn't there, but you, you listen to it and you're like, what people are like, Oh, uh, okay. And then his second role was just to help Dan run the training event. So he's supposed to be like, you know, he was an ex-military guy, I think Navy SEAL or Army or something. I'm, I don't know. But, you know, he ran the whole shoot house and everything like that and uh, just acted like he was Dan's friend from up north or wherever he was from. Um, and then after that, like, I didn't really see him. But funny, funny caveat is when I saw him, I didn't really associate with him. Um, and, I, um, and I was like, I looked at his gear, right? He was wearing cry pants and a cry uh, play carrier and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, bro, that's the type of shit that feds wear. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, that's fed gear right there, dude. I'm like, and that guy looks like a cop, bro. You know, he just talks like one. And it's just, yeah. So I kind of just stayed away from him and wasn't really involved with him. 
Yeah, from the my reading through all this stuff, which there was so much to read through. I do a lot of preparing for this, and even then, I still like don't have this as well put together as I'd like. There's so much here, but it seems to be they tried to imply just about everyone, uh, or tried to somehow uh, imply they had were somehow related to this bomb thing, uh, because I guess yeah. I don't remember some of them. Because you said they did kind of bring down the price. It was like, oh, I'm broke. And even then, when you got to the point where, like, oh, basically give it to you as an IOU or basically just give it to you, even then they got to the point where, like, I guess it was kind of like maybe one or two of the guys were like, kind of like, okay, well, yeah, maybe I'll come get it from you later. And then they just kind of never did. And that's kind of like, and that's kind of sort of what they tried to use to imply, hey, they were going to, which I mean, I can totally see someone being apprehensive and someone's really trying to force something on you and like, you don't want to be weird. So you're just kind of like, well, you know, I guess maybe I'll hit it, get it from some other time. And no one actually right. got any bombs like or anything from him or gave him money or anything along those lines. And they still tried to use that for so many people. Um but yeah, I, I do want to like I do want to point out they actually uh, and this I feel like this is kind of related to that because they did try to plant the seed. I believe it was Croft that they put a or maybe yeah Croft that they planted explosives in his vehicle. They admitted this on the stand. Uh, do you were you there for that or do you recall the the situation around that? Because that was that was insane. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I wasn't there like when that happened, but come to find out, you know, we found out in the discovery that Jenny Plunk, one of the informants, essentially went and got like all this paraphernalia. Right. And, you know, put it in a bag and, you know, was, you know, kept trying to give it to him or something like that. But he like wouldn't. So she just kind of threw it in the back of his vehicle. So when he drives home, you know, and gets to Delaware, opens up his luggage and he's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't my, whatever. I'll just throw it in the garage. You know what I'm saying? What else are you going to do? Uh, so he did that. And then they tried to use that against him. And, you know, they did something similar with, with Fox as well, because, you know, part of the evidence they used against him that red, that red actually fabricated was, you know, when they went on that little night ride along or whatever, you know, uh, you know, red said that they drove by her house and went there. And that was a lie They that they never found it. They never went by her house, bro. They were never, they never went there, dude. That's a total lie. They couldn't find it. They didn't know where it was. You know what I mean? Cause Jason Chambers gave them the wrong address. The feds where they were going, they were going. So the feds gave the informants the address to tell the other people. Right. And the other people, he accidentally gave him the wrong address because he's a stupid cop. So they're like driving around, you know, in the middle of nowhere. And when they're driving, Red tells Adam, he says, hey, why don't you get out of the car and take a picture underneath that bridge right there? So it's not even this isn't something that Adam is coming up with. Adam's just looking at this like military guy with combat experience. And he's like, oh, you want oh, you want me to go take that picture? Like, OK, bro, I'll do that for you. You know what I mean? And goes and does it. And while he's doing it, the, you know, the undercover agent literally goes over and snaps a picture of him doing it to collect evidence on him. So he's literally engaged in creating evidence in order to put it on someone else to try to get them in trouble for something that they don't even have anything to do with. Yeah. Um, one more thing. And I want to get into Fox. Uh, I feel like this kind of ties into something we talked about in the last one and like kind of the, the arguments here, how they were trying to frame you guys, the type of people you were and, you know, imply this is something you do. I guess they brought up Barry Croft and that he had, I guess he had a podcast and he was, uh, you know, he was part of the three percenters apparently. 
And, they, you know, I guess they were brought up how he wanted to overthrow the government and cite a second revolution. Uh, you know, they brought up 1776, extremism, the boogaloo. Uh, and then they tried to do the. They tried. They used this to lead up to the point that they were you guys were predisposed to commit crimes, specifically Barry Croft in the situation. Uh, I, I don't know if you were there for that trial and if you want to give thoughts on that, because it is wild. Because given that I, I'm fucked, you know, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I listened in on the second trial and everything. So, you know, I'm, I'm aware of, of what happened in the second trial. You know, they, they did that to all of us. Essentially, like if any like if anyone criticizes the government in any way and doesn't just blindly obey whatever they say and agree with whatever they do, um, you're con that's considered violent extremism, especially to these elitist prosecutors. And most of these politicians in the government, like if you don't just bow to their will and accept every law that they enforce and, and, and create, then you are essentially, you know, a horrible, evil person that wants to, you know, conduct violence unto everyone who, who doesn't agree with you. So the state is like, you don't agree with us. So we're actually going to use violence against you. And then just say that because you don't agree with us, you want to use against us against us. Yeah, uh, I want to actually, you know, I was going to bring up Fox, but I wanted to make a point, and this is something I was thinking about a little bit earlier and I forgot. I wanted to actually point out the anomaly that you, and what was it, Harris? Uh, was that the other guy who got off as well? Because uh, you guys both yeah. got acquitted, right? Harris, yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to point out the anomaly that you guys even got out of this and how crazy it is because the, the, the conviction rates on these are ridiculous. And basically okay. once the feds want to get you, it's a done deal. Like, uh, you know, I was talking about, I, uh, I've been reading, uh, what is it called? Terror Factory by Trevor Aronson, where he goes into all, like, how the informant system works and stuff. And there was literally a guy at one point, uh, I wish I could remember his name, but he they he had these feds that were coming after him and they were trying to befriend him. And literally the whole guy, the whole time the guy was, like, had a red flag, like, these are feds, these are feds. Like, and, he you know, he was giving his account kind of, like, you know, he tried to get away from this guy as much as possible, trying to politely turn him down. We tried to hang out just over and over again, even got to the point to where I guess he like looked into some of the numbers that they were there and somehow made the connections like these are definitely feds. And I don't remember who he contacted, but try to contact someone to be like, you know, like, hey, like uh, essentially try to make some sort of like lawsuit against the feds or something like leave me the fuck alone. And then they got him on a separate charge. Like they had nothing to do with what they were and trying to get him on initially. And it was something really silly, but it was kind of like once you have that eye of Sauron on you, you're basically fucked. And the, the idea that you guys got off is actually nuts. I just wanted to make that point. And I know obviously Fox and then it was it a Croft ended up getting convicted. Uh, so that kind of makes the point as well. And it, it's just wild that you're even here to talk to me today, really. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, it, is, it, it is insane how this stuff works. Because the, the, the finger is on like, is like so heavy on the scale on their side of the, the equation. Uh, all right, let's get into Fox because Fox is like probably the part that's like, you know, like I brought up before, they, they, there's always like the Patsy guy in every one of these ones. It's, all, it's almost always some sad soul that they prey on. And Adam Fox was yeah. that guy. He, he yeah. uh, you know, I, I'll let you tell me about, you know, who he was. And we talked about him a little bit last episode. But we're going to go a little more in depth here because it's actually pretty sad what they did to him. And that's not to say like I would, you know, the way he's described, he's not someone I would ever befriend, but I definitely, I feel for him in the sense of what they did to him is very fucked up. Uh, but yeah. 
Yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, you couldn't be more correct about that. This is this is something that the FBI has been doing for decades to people. They're not actually going after real threats. You know, what they're doing is they're preying on vulnerable people like like a predator in the wild that sees, you know, an injured gazelle and then wants to go attack it and eat it. It's that same type of of nature but when we transfer from the from the animal world to the human world it becomes psychopathic you know it's 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 psychopathic for human beings to act like beasts and animals and do immoral things you know what i mean uh and you know some animals don't really have empathy it's the reptilian part of the brain you know and that's kind of what these guys are operating on and when they saw adam you know they they're trying to create crime in order to influence elections and do, you know, political influence and psyops, you know, to fulfill psyops and all these different things. There's a bunch of ways that the government can benefit from purposely causing problems, you know, because they're the people at the top that make sure everyone's safe and protect everybody and print the money and, you know, build the infrastructure and pay for it or whatever. So, with Adam Fox, they saw a very lonely man who suffered through the through the pandemic or the pandemic, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, didn't really have a whole lot of money, had kind of some family issues, you know, had relationship issues. It sounded mentally Somewhat, unwell to me, too, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and instead of taking like a pharmaceutical medication, you know. Adam would just smoke like blunts and blunts of weed. I mean, just smoke so much weed every day. That's that's how he kind of self-medicated, you know, and they took advantage of someone who is, you know, taking marijuana every day and maybe not all the way there because they've done so much and like try to get them to say crazy off the wall stuff and get them to talk about certain things. You know what I mean? And when you don't have the money to like engaging in an operation like they like we were charged for bro that would take so much resources so much time and so much money nobody had that to ever even come close to doing that but the government did the government can step in and say hey man you know they'll they'll try to give you the gun to 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 make the shot you know, and say, well, hey, he agreed that he wanted to do it. So, you know, even though we gave him the gun, you know, it's not it's not our problem. You know what I mean? Like, OK. And that, and that's what they did to Adam, man. And I feel really bad because, you know, he has a family and whether or not people, you know, might not like him and his personality or whatever. You know, he is someone who has been totally victimized by the state and had his life completely ripped away from him for just you know, being trusting and, 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 you know, disagreeing with how the government handled this whole, you know, uh, convict situation, which is something that everybody, you know, didn't agree with. So many people didn't agree with what was going on. And that's all to be able to disagree with the agree with the government. We shouldn't be doing prison time because of it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, he was essentially for all intents and purposes, basically homeless at the time when they brought, when they brought him in, he had no friends, yeah. basically nothing. Like, I guess you could say at home, but I think he lived in the basement of some, what was it? A, what was it? A, a vacuum repair shop is where he lived at. Yep. I'm assuming yep. he had someone who, you know, uh, felt bad for him and let him live there, uh, which is, you know, good credit to that person, but, <laughs> he wasn't someone in the best of situations. They br brought him in. 
Uh, I do want to, you know, to speak a little bit to his character. Uh, they did, uh, you know, one thing they did try to, I guess, offer him stuff all the time. And, you know, they, I guess they try to offer him credit cards, $5,000 credit cards, and he still refused. He wouldn't take them. He never really did anything actionable aside from going along with these people who he thought were his friends uh, on little ride alongs and stuff. I mean, obviously he mouthed off, you know, kind of like, I think that, I mean, you could obviously, you know, uh, definitely, you know, play that as like he made a bunch of friends and they were talking crazy shit. So he talked crazy shit too. Uh, you know, he you know, he was a mentally sad, unwell individual that you know for the first time in his life he found camaraderie and friends. And I'm sure he didn't want to fuck it up. And even then, even with all that, he still didn't really do anything. And it's right. like so that kind of speaks to his. I mean, you know, just for the stuff I've read and seen, he does kind of seem like a gentle, sweet soul deep down inside. He just has some things he needs to work out, you know, like I think once he got his life together, he could have been, you know, been something, you know, like, uh, I mean, not saying he'd be some big you know, businessman, but someone people would want to interact with, you know, like, because, yeah, I'm, like I said earlier, I don't think that would be someone I'd want to befriend because, uh, you know, some of his stuff going on, you know, but. I don't know. It's just sad. Uh, but let, I do want to talk about the fact they did try to put him in a leadership position. Like I said, he was the center of this. They wanted to make him the patsy. And so that's yeah. why they elevate, tried to position him as a leadership role because they knew this is a guy they can heavily influence. And this could kind of build their entire case. Um, and, you know, uh, we, I think we've talked before about how he really was not a leader. Uh, um, uh, you know, I guess to the point where Ty Garbin and Caleb didn't even want to continue with you guys anymore, right? It, you know, he, they basically tried to break off because of the fact that they're kind of like, no, I'm not going along with this. This is fucking stupid. Uh, am, I, am I tracking here? Am I right? Yeah, I mean, that's the whole reason why, you know, you have Ty Garbin and, and these guys, you know, on audio recording calling Adam Fox Captain Autism. That's where the whole Captain Autism thing came from, you know, because they're trying to, you know, have them do something. I don't think it was anything illegal, but just handle like a simple task or organize something or do something. And he just couldn't do it, you know? So they're like, yeah, this guy's freaking captain autism over here. Like he doesn't know how to do anything. And, and you're, you're absolutely right. Jose, like they tried to frame him as this leader of this thing, but he was never a leader of anything. And that's, what's really bad about this whole thing is, you know, they're lying openly and saying that people are leaders of stuff that they aren't and you know the 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 hierarchy of it is created by feds by the government and then they take this patsy and say oh he's actually the leader of it and then these guys who he vaguely associates with that's his kill squad and it's just uh it's just a total lie dude it's a total lie yeah uh, I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, because I mean, it's like reading all this stuff in the trials, it is kind of hard to parse this information. But the impression I'm getting is the only people that really kind of took on the role of allowing Adam to be leadership were essentially feds and informants. Uh, the main one being, I guess, this individual Mark is the only thing I got. He was, you know, he was, they kind of positioned him as an underling to Fox. Uh, is, is that correct? Is, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, some things that these undercovers did and these FBI agents is like, for example, they would play a role with Adam and, and purposely put themselves in a submissive position underneath Adam, right. To be like, Oh, well, you know, 
I can be, I can be your counsel, right? I can, I can help you uh, do this or, or do that or talk about this or organize that, you know, just let me know what to do. And that's a role that Mark had played was like, Hey man, I'm just from the upper peninsula, you know, whatever you want me to do, bro. Like I'm your best friend. I'll do it. You're really good with guns, man. You're really smart, bro. Wow. How much weight can you lift? You can, wow. You can lift a lot. You're so strong, dude. You know what I mean? Just like, play that role to him and make him think in his mind that he's actually the leader of something when literally everyone around him is like, Oh dude, that guy's coming. Like we, we don't even want him here, bro. Like, all right, whatever. You know, wasn't that, it wasn't that the guy, uh, Mark was a dude who had like a Cali accent and he was trying to be a youper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I, that's what first threw me off about him. This guy's like, yeah, I'm from the UP. And it's like, dude, if you're, if you're from Michigan, like I am, like if someone says from the UP, they sound like they're from the UP and you're going to know. And if, if they were born and raised in the UP and they don't sound a specific way, they're lying. And that's why I was like, bro, this guy doesn't sound like that at all, dude. He's gotta be a fed or something. <laughs> it is wild to like have some guy, like, I don't know. It's just crazy. Some of the stuff they overlook, like, how are you going to have a guy that doesn't I know in a place with a very distinct accent, go to other people in that place and try to position himself as one of them. Cause you guys weren't in the upper peninsula. Right. But I mean, you guys were all Michigan people. So you would, I would think you'd be able to recognize it. Like I've had friends oh, yeah. because I, I did 11 years in, in the active duty military. And so I like, I, I had friends who were in Michigan and they did have a distinct accent. You have it. Uh, I'm assuming the, I'm assuming the, the Upers have a little bit more distinct one uh, of some sort. Uh, kind of like you're implying, I don't know the, the, the specifics of it, but it is, it is just wild that they would do that. It'd be like, I don't know, like I, I used to live in Maine and Maine has a very distinct accent. And it'd be like if someone came there and tried to pretend like they're from Maine and they were from Tennessee or something, it's like right. and Tennessee has a separate distinct accent. You'd be like, what? No, no you're not. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, uh, on the UC or on the Mark guy, I did want to bring up uh, – uh, you know, to I guess kind of plays to Fox and the other guys too. I guess he was bringing up at one point, uh, he was kind of you know blown smoke and was literally trying to propose to people that talking about storming the Capitol and taking tyrants with a militia, and basically everyone was like, nah. Uh, so like, because this is a recurring theme, they keep proposing these ideas, and it seems to be almost all of you guys, even the guys like Fox, pretty much are either like no. Or they kind of are just passive and don't really agree with it. And like, you know, because I know they had that like ride along with the Whitmer thing. And I know Fox did go along. But like even then it was just kind of like, you know, I'm just going along. Like, we're, what are we doing here? Like, hey, I'm just hanging out with my friends. Whatever you guys are doing this, I'm kind of coming along. Uh, I just thought that was wild. Were, were you part of that a little bit or was or were you not there for that one? Yeah. So interestingly enough, I mean, you know, once again, like I'm not there, like not there when anyone was talking about that. You know, I know that some of my co-defendants when, you know, just like the January or I don't, well, I don't know if I can say it. I don't want to get censored, but just like that thing in January with the, you know, whatever, uh, you know, there was that one guy, you know, Mr. Epps, right. Who was, yeah, let's go. You got to go in there. You know, you got to do it. Um, it's a very similar dynamic where they're trying to bring up a topic and get people to talk about it. And, you know, some of my co-defendants, like specifically Dan Harris, literally like threw a hat or like threw an empty magazine at the people that were like saying that was like, no, we're not doing that. Like, that is stupid. We're not doing anything like that. Like, that's a suicide mission. It doesn't make any sense. 
You know what I mean? But certain things, this is why they have their finger on, on the, on the scales of justice, because certain things like that, a normal person would think, oh, well, that's totally relevant to the case. Like if they tried to bring up a crime and get people to do it, then of course the defense could just put that statement in and say, hey, my guy said, no, don't do that at all specifically. You know what I mean? But that's not how it is. That's considered hearsay. You know, they're like, oh, well, that's not relevant. That's considered hearsay. If you want to get that in, then you have to take the stand and do all this stuff. You know what I mean? And and we, you still might not even get it in there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do want to continue on this, you know, this train of thought with Fox when the big thing they kind of got him on, really the only thing they got him on from what I can see, the only thing that was in the least bit of actionable thing that he did is they did take him on that ride along. I guess they wanted to go check out her house. I guess you said, I didn't see in any of my reading that actually went to the wrong house, but either way they wanted to go to like Whitmer's cottage or whatever. And they wanted to like map it out. And the big thing they got Fox was, is they had him map it. But what, you know, the, obviously I'm assuming in the trial, the, uh, the state kind of like shied away from was that really all that Fox was doing was whatever Dan was telling him to do. Like he was like, write this here, write that there. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of the, you know, I guess if you're driving around and you had someone hold the map, you'd be like, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? Or, oh, change the directions or can you change the channel or whatever, what have you. Like, and so right. it, it, it sounds like, you know, he's you know, make drawing out these battle plans or whatever, the way they, they frame it. But really in all reality, it was just Dan being like, Hey, write this here, uh, you know, mark this landmark or, or whatever, whatever goes into this map making. Um, uh, do, do you have anything to add to that? I'm sure you weren't aware, yeah. but I know you're the trials. Cause that, that, that whole story is fucking wild. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you're in the military, so you know about land navigation and shit like that, right? No, not really, but <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's a thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if if you're in that kind of situation, you know, land navigation isn't like, it's kind of a skill is what it is, okay? And to, be able to read a map and navigate land and go to where you want to go is is a skill that you have to learn. Not everyone knows it. So Dan, the, you know, Dan Chapel undercover was, you know, what he would do is be like, hey, Adam, um, do you want to learn some land navigation? Right? So, He's teaching them land navigation, driving around and showing them this, you know, Dan used to carry, carry this like GPS thing and all this like cool equipment or whatever. Right. And, you know, he's showing them stuff and then like they get to a certain area that Dan chooses to go to, you know, because Chambers, there was text messages, Chambers tells him go to location one, then stop by location two on the way back. So they already had this whole thing this whole ride along thing. This is the daytime ride along, mind you, this is a little bit before um, this was uh, an event that the informant actually 100% admitted that the FBI set that entire thing up in the first trial. Okay. I don't know if it came in on the second trial or not, but to, to make a long story short is essentially, you know, when they're driving, they pull into a restaurant and then they're eating some food. And then Dan's like, Hey, he tells Adam, Hey, why don't you just like draw like a little map of this area? What, you know, while he's teaching him land nap. So he's like, he doesn't have a pen. He doesn't have any paper. <laughs> so Dan gives it to him and he goes, okay, Dan draws a little, you know, picture of the area that they're in and then hands it to Dan doesn't even keep it. 
And then Dan takes it and gives it to the FBI. And then the FBI uses that against him in court to say, oh, he was drawing maps and he wanted to do this. And it was specific. He planned to do this. Yeah, because at one point the, the defense brought up is he never asked for it back. He never tried to share it with anybody. It was completely inconsequential to Fox. Uh, I did a you know, fun little aside. I, I believe, unless I misread this in my readings, uh, he was so fucking high out of his mind on this little trip, which, I mean, you would think if, like, you were legit some dude like, hey, we're fucking mapping out the governor's house. We're, we're fucking, well, this is game time. Like, you'd be on your shit. He was high out of his fucking mind. He literally was goofing off and wearing the fucking binoculars as a hat at one point. Like, I know it sounds <laughs> stupid to bring up, but it just kind of displays how fucking ridiculous he was being about it. This is not a situation he was taking seriously in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and, and, you know, the prosecution said in the first trial with that situation is there's this picture, right. That Dan took of Adam while he's standing behind him. Right. And they're supposedly looking at this lake and, you know, Adam's in front of him. He's looking at the lake and it, and when you look at it from behind, it, it looks like when you're looking at the picture, he's looking through some sort of binoculars or like periscope or whatever it's called. Right. So they said, Oh yeah, here he is looking through binoculars, you know, to try to see across the lake to, you know, spot the house and everything like that. Well, when you look closer to the picture, come to find out literally what he's doing is he's holding his hat up like this and looking through the hole in the top of his hat and trying to like, what are you doing, bro? You're totally stoned. And he's looking at it, like acting like, you know, to try to block the sun out or whatever he was doing. But it's just like, you're stoned as hell looking at the hole through your hat at a house that's way down there that you can't even see. Yeah. And I, I did want to, you know, provide some context of why he would even do this in the first place. Cause from my reading, what I've gleaned is essentially he kind of garnered a, like a, basically a cadre of essentially feds that surrounded him damn near at all times. And like these were, became his friends in his mind. Yeah. So he had a whole group of friends and none, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the way it seems to me from my reading is he didn't make a single friend that wasn't a fed. All of these people were feds who were piling around with him. And in his mind, he's created all these group of friends that, you know, and they're kind of like, hey, let's go do this. Let's go do that. And like, he doesn't seem to really want to do anything, but he's, you know, whatever. I'm going on a ride along with my friends and they're doing this and we're, you know, whatever. We're drawing up a map and they probably, I mean, he, I don't, I, I don't know how seriously he's taking it, but it's, it's just sad. Like to keep playing on this, this trope with him that, like he's just he came from someone who had nothing like no friends no nothing and he made you know this is probably the in his mind this is probably the best time of his life or at least recently and you know and it just completely flipped on him and you know like uh, can you did he make anyone any friends that weren't feds at all yeah so that's a really good observation that you made man and and that's 100 true dude you know he didn't the, the people that he associated with and, you know, his so-called friends were literally all undercover federal agents or informants. Now, listen, he had one other friend. OK, and that only other friend that he had was if you're paying attention to the state cases. Now he's in he's in this. His name is Sean Fix. Sean Fix was the only other friend that Adam had. And that is your is your typical stolen valor guy. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I was in the military. I'm, I'm, I'm off SEAL team, you know, eight or whatever. Uh, I got full autos chilling in the ground, you know, and, and, 
and, you know, buried and whatever. I got all this, I got all this experience come to find out literally was never in the military at all. You know, doesn't know how to do any tactical skills whatsoever. I mean, dude shows up with this old ass Colt 1911, you know, and he doesn't even have a rifle. He's got some like leather, old ass leather holster for it. And his belt's all loose and floppy. Like the guy doesn't know what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? And listen, I'm not, I'm not talking crap about 1911s, bro. I love me some 1911s, dude. But I'm just saying like, two world wars. Guy, <laughs> got two world wars, one with this baby. <laughs> 45 ACP, son. Come on now. Sorry, let me throw you every train of thought. I couldn't help it when you brought up 1911. <laughs> yeah, 45's way better than nine millimeter. Yeah, okay. Um peak FUD. <laughs> yeah, so, right, peak FUD. Big facts. Uh, yeah, so he yeah, so he was, you know, he was that type of guy. So, you know, at all his friends were literally government agents or people who lied about who they were and wished they were like some, you know, amazing military hero that they never even came close to ever being. And that's, you know, that's sad, bro. It really is. Yeah. yeah which, I mean, I guess I, I didn't know. I mean, I, I'd heard about him, but I didn't realize he kind of befriended Fox, but that makes sense considering his, you know, uh, his, his state of mind as well, that he would see these group of guys are kind of like, you know, and that he would want to kind of pal up with them. That, that makes sense as well for him. All right. Uh, I, I feel like I'm pretty sure this plays into it. Cause I, I think this was uh, something they were trying to, that's kind of tied into this like ride along thing. Did the, did the feds propose in the evidence, a reenactment of some sort, which never happened. And they try to like, I think, I think they worded it in a way where they never said that it happened, but they're kind of implying uh, and it was a reenactment of basically all the feds and informants. It parked in the governor's driveway or something like that. Does that ring a bell? Oh yeah. Okay. I remember that. Yeah, Cause I assume um, that's tied into this whole ride along. I assume they were try probably trying to imply that without saying it outright, that this was like a reenactment of what, you know, happened along that way, even though it didn't, but never said it outright is how I read that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they, they really kind of messed up with the whole reenactment thing. I mean, that just got torn apart in the first trial because, you know, number one, the reenactment they said was exactly how things went. And it literally wasn't. And you could totally prove that it wasn't. You know, first of all, they backed up in a truck or drive or driveway and then proceeded to pull out didn't even go the same way as before, because like I said, they didn't find her place. They didn't know where it was at. You know, they went there one time, right. And drove by like, uh, in the daytime in the summer. And then, you know, totally forgot where it was at. He just didn't even know. Oh, I don't know. I smoked too much weed. You know what I mean? So they're driving around and the whole route that they took was the wrong route. And then, they did another like where they parked and where they got out of the vehicle to go look at the lake and everything. Nobody ever did that. Nobody ever talked about that. Nobody ever went there. And they even used um, night vision goggles, you know, to try to represent what they did. And nobody used a monocular like that to, to, to do anything like that. If they did, they would have had the evidence on audio. You know what I mean? So there's just my point is, you know, there's multiple things that they did 
in that reenactment that literally never happened to make it seem like this is what these guys did and to make it seem like there is an actual plan, you know, and just one more thing I want to bring up about that. You know, it, it's funny. I noticed that when they were doing this little reenactment, okay, they pull out of her house, they kind of go around and they stop, you know, where, you know, she was supposed to be let out, you know, at the lake. Right. Which nobody, ever agreed anything like where's she gonna go like nobody could tell you right they just said oh well they agreed to do it so it doesn't matter if they don't know where she's gonna go after that you know all that matters is they wanted to do it or they said it right so when this place that the government decided to say that this is where she was going to be let out at was by uh lake michigan so they pull up in the daytime and i'm looking and it's like Bro, there's literally, we're literally in the middle of a neighborhood and this dude just pulls up right in front of this person's house, okay? And then walks along this trail that's right next to this person's house that has a bunch of like, you know, bay windows and windows everywhere. You can see right through it. And then walks up to the lake and like, you can't even get a boat up there you know what i'm saying because it's super shallow for like many many feet like a, a like a you know probably i would say maybe like 50 yards dude like you got to go out to actually get some sort of depth so there's no way to even pull a boat up there you know what i'm saying and if you pull up there at night bro you're going to be shining your headlights and there's going to be noise and all that right in the middle of this neighborhood literally right next to two people's house it doesn't make any sense. Nobody would ever do that. That's that's not tactical in any way. Yeah. Uh, to kind of finish up on Adam Fox, this will perfectly segue into my next point. Uh, they tried to claim that he bought a WMD, which I'm assuming they were assuming that that was they're implying that was Red's uh, bombs or whatever the fuck. Uh, and you know, no money was changed, nothing. And then the point I'm trying to get at is, you know. They they recorded all this shit, which is common practice for feds and informants. They they I think they're technically supposed to. I might be wrong uh, if I recall correctly. I think they're supposed to record just about everything, but you know they frequently won't because uh, the feds you know f- you know blatantly don't follow their own rules all the times. But they uh, or they'll say it was technical difficulties or whatever. Uh, but uh, they didn't they they didn't play it uh, at all, um, and so. Like and I guess they, they they have Adam's text records and he never said anything about you know anything about the bomb ever. Uh, so and I, I this kind of plays into my next point about the a- aspect of how this works with their uh, recording things. I kind of want to talk about the barbecue at Sean Fix's house. I've heard you talk about it elsewhere because they there was they surveilled the entire thing the whole time and out of all that they played a 17 second clip. Uh, and they didn't ever admit anything else in the record or anything. And I don't think you guys were able to use any of the other, any of that shit as well. Um, uh, so you want to tell me what the barbecue? Yeah. So, you know, I wasn't at the barbecue, but I listened to some of that discovery, uh, you know, when I was locked up and really what it was, was just another, you know, it was kind of like a pissing contest, right? So it's at Sean Fix's house. Sean Fix is a fake Navy SEAL who says he has like an arsenal buried in the ground, right? So this guy's just like totally full of shit and doesn't know how to do anything as far as, you know, with a battle rifle, okay? So, you know, they're drinking beers, smoking tons of weed, and, uh, you know, 
barbecuing and kind of just camping out and bragging to each other. You know, oh, I could do this. You know how guys are sometimes like, yeah, I'm the shit, bro. You know what I'm saying? You know how it goes. So that's really winning. winning. So then you just have, you know, the informants and stuff just like, bro, these guys aren't talking about anything. They're not doing anything. Like we got to get them to do something, like say something so I can record it so I can justify being here, you know? And that's really all they did. So of course they're going to play like, you know, 17 seconds of something they said, they said was part of a plan, like an overact, but they're only going to show you 10 seconds of it because there was no plan. They just got to find something that they can twist and, and mold and lie about to make it seem like that's what's going on. These guys are super good at deception, bro. That's what these agents and government functionaries like Nils Kessler and these prosecutors are agents of deception. Okay. And okay. And they are professional agents of deception and lies. And I wanted to expose that. And that's what we're doing here on your show. Yeah. Uh, let's, I want to talk about Daniel Harris for a minute. Uh, reading through him, it is wild. Uh, just like you, he basically did nothing at all. And they tried over and over and over and over again to try to talk him into shit. And I guess they even got to the point where I guess they were talking, you know, in their little fed talks about trying to get him to find some sort of softer target of some sort, because he wouldn't do anything. He didn't want, he didn't want anything to do with anything they were doing. Uh, is, is that a proper way to characterize Daniel Harris? Yeah. So, you know, Dan is, you know, Dan's like that. Dan's a cool kid, man. I love that guy for real. Uh, you know, he's got a great family. Um, you know, he, he's one of those guys that has your back. You know what I'm saying? Now, man, I have his back. He has my back. You know, look at what we just went through, bro. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that camaraderie you get a little bit in the military. You know, you go through like some traumatic experience, and you come out alive and it's like, hey, man, even though we might not click all the way, there's something that we have that we know about that other people don't know about and we can connect on that level. And that's how it is with me and Dan, you know, and he just, you know, he never wanted to to do anything like that. He literally was the most joking, like fun guy out of all of us. All he wanted to do was just talk shit, drink beer and shoot guns. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And was a Marine at that. You know what I'm saying? So you already know how that is. So essentially the FBI called their tactics de-escalation tactics. Okay. Which means that they're not doing or talking about the crime that the government wants them to do. So the government suggests another alternative crime. And then says that that is de-escalation, right? So, for example, you know, they're talking, they might be talking about a politician, right? Talking crap about them, saying they need to be arrested or whatever. And then people are like, yeah, that's not even possible, bro. Like, that would just be so hard to do. So then the government says, well, and they actually said this, like, for real. They say, uh, well, why don't you just set up, like, different snipers okay in other states and then just shoot around through each governor's house and then mail them the spent shell casings and essentially say like yeah we see you you know what i mean and and that's what the fbi considers de-escalation like live ammunition firing into people's houses and then mailing them like bro you guys are obviously trying to do the craziest shit 
You know what I'm saying? Nobody else is wanting to do it. So you're like, man, just do something like let's do a soft target. You know, we can't do, if we can't do brick and mortar in, in, and, and destroy buildings or storm the Capitol, you know, let's go after something like a person. We, we need that to, to send a message, you know, and this is all done by the FBI, bro. It's, it's, it's absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Harris, I believe ended up taking the stand in his case. Um, and I know he, he called Ty and Caleb liars and they caught, cause they contradict themselves multiple times on the stand. Uh, you want to tell me, cause I believe he had an epic moment on the stand and, and a few moments. So I kind of want to give your, your take on Daniel on the stand. Cause it did sound pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, you know what Dan did took so much balls and the jury, the jury believed him. He, he went up there. I mean, he was just like, I have to do it, you know? And I thought it was going to go horribly and you know, it, it wound up going great in the end because you know, he got acquitted, but one of the most epic things, which I'm just like, dude, you are literally the shit because you know, he got up on the stand and the the prosecutors asking him about Dan, right? Now remind, reminder, before this, Dan is literally saying on the stand, Dan the informant, not Dan Harris. Dan the informant is talking about how like he's scared of me and like because I'm animated and my voice that he had to keep his back to the to the you know, door and make sure that he could leave. Right. Because I'm just so dangerous and violent. And he said this about everybody. And then, you know, they, they brought up memes that were made and the informant Dan's like, yeah, that meme is evil. Like that represents evil to me and all this stuff. So the prosecution's asking Dan Harris about Dan Chapel, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Dan Harris is legit. Like, yeah, that guy's a bitch. And the prosecutor, what, what? And he was like, Dan Chappell's a bitch. <laughs> and he's like, holy, we're, you know, me and my attorney are looking at each other like, oh, fuck. Like, bro, did he just say that? Like, yup, he definitely did. So he's like, well, why don't you elaborate on that? So Dan Harris is like, listen, man, you know, you got a guy who's went to Iraq, seen combat. All right. You know, been injured and he comes back home. And memes scare him? You know, words scare you? You're a bitch, bro. Straight up, bitch. And I was like, what? It was the most epic shit ever, bro. And the fact that he got acquitted after that was just like, man, crazy. Yeah, uh, let's talk about, I believe in the latest round of trials, you came and you intended on uh, on testifying on behalf uh, of them. Um of the defense uh you want to you want to tell me about that because i feel like that's extremely telling uh you know for you know how justice works in this country yeah yeah absolutely man so you know my intention was was to go up there and testify just to let everyone know you know let the jury actually specifically know that you know this isn't a real plan like adam's not a leader you know what i mean this is a fake thing like i was acquitted from this you know, they're lying to you, right? About who these other men are. You know, Barry is not some leader of some 3% militia. You know what I'm saying? He's a random guy who drives truck. Okay. So I, I wanted to do that, but what was, what was going to happen, dude, is the state was going to charge me. They were going to put terrorism charges on me 
if I put myself in that position to testify federally. So at this point, you have the, the Michigan state government conspiring with the federal government in order to create a situation where they can try to get me to say something and then bring charges unto me so that they can get me out of the picture and, and make me look bad and put me in a cage and essentially just make me go through the whole that I just, that I just went through. You know what I mean? And, you know, I thought about it and I thought about it and it was just like, you know, I can do more out here for truth and freedom. Their system is so corrupt that there's no way I could risk my freedom in that way to go into a situation that I know I'm going to lose in, you know, it's, it's, it wasn't smart to take that chance. You know, and I really felt like that Adam and Barry were going to be straight, dude. Like, I really believe that with how everything went, you know, something happened, bro. I'm telling you something happened with that jury. Something happened, dude, with, with the judge and that whole situation, bro. Like, you know, there, there's a, there's a whole nother conspiracy involved that we don't even know about, dude. And, uh, yeah, so I, that's what I thought in my mind. And, you know, I talked to him afterwards. I talked to Barry and he said, you know, it's cool, bro. Like you did the right thing. You know what I mean? You know, even after the, the verdict. So, uh, yeah, but what you were trying to uh, imply is that you can, you can even be acquitted of something. But if you try to do something that hinders the government's case in another way, they will come up with anything to threaten you, to just get you back in that cage again. So you have no way to, to speak out against their injustice. Yeah, which I, I wanted to bring that up to kind of lead into my next point of, like, you guys, I guess, called a bunch of witnesses, uh, and uh, basically a bunch of them flaked out, pled the fifth just like you did. Uh, and I, I don't mean flaked out in a bad way. I, I understand the reasoning. For example, uh, one they bring up is uh, Taya Plummer, who you know was uh, going to be one of the witnesses? I'm not sure what her key, what her role in all of this was, uh, but they, uh, they, I guess it says she had no role in the kidnapping case. But uh, I guess for some reason she she was useful for you guys. But they uh, essentially the prosecutors uh, basically uh, made accusations about her boyfriend, uh, and and you know I guess he was part of another militia. And essentially, they definitely they made a whole lot of implications that maybe she and or her boyfriend would be in trouble if she continued on with this. And this was a common thing. Multiple witnesses did the same thing. They they essentially you know pled the fifth and they got dismissed into where you guys only end up with a few. I think it was something like fifteen or something you guys started with, and at the end you had like three or something ridiculous because all of them basically got you know. Uh, strong arm by the law to be like to fuck off essentially i mean i don't know if you have anything to add to that if you know more details or yeah yeah absolutely you know taylor Plummer was was someone who was there in wisconsin and she was also there in in luther michigan you know and those are two events that the government really tried to use against us and say that these were overt acts in this fake conspiracy and Taylor, Taylor was there. She knew that it was nothing. She, she was chilling with us, drinking beer. You know what I mean? At the campfire, talking shit, having a good time, just like all of us were. She never went out on any ride along or did any of that. And essentially, if she goes up there and says that, she's a believable person. 
you know, just like all the other people that were up there. Now, what the government does is they go here and they look at this and they say, ah, you know, I don't know, man. They're like, you know, if this person comes on, yeah, they're, they're going to kind of expose us. So, you know what, we're just going to coerce them into not testifying by just making something up like, okay, they were in this area. So we're just going to say that they heard this and they saw this. So they're going to face uh, criminal charges. And that way we can just sweep them under the rug and get them out of the way. And you know what? It's all good because the judge isn't going to make us do that in front of the jury. The judge is going to let us do that behind closed doors. So nobody knows. And the judge isn't going to say, hey, well, you know what? I think you should testify because he knows that that person not testifying is going to help the prosecution. So he says, yeah, bro, you know, I got you guys, man. Yeah, go ahead. See you later. You know, the judge has got you. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, another one I thought was interesting. Uh, Frank Butler uh, was another one of the guys you guys tried to get. And uh, they apparently uh, then, you know, around the time when he was supposed to, the Department of Justice t- sent him a letter saying he was a target of investigation conveniently around the time. And, you know, obviously, I, I mean, I'm assuming he probably interpret that as like, oh, I should shut the fuck up. And, you know, I don't, you know, once again, I don't blame any of these people. I'm not even trying to, I'm not trying to cast accusations on him or him or her, you, any of these people who bowed out. Cause I, you know, it's like, what, what use are you going to be like, uh, cool. You provide a minor uh, assistance to a case to, to cause a major fuck up to your life. It's, it does yeah. the cost benefits yeah. completely fucked. So, yeah. Well, the government, you know, the government's not going to sit there and be honest. These these government prosecutors, they're not going to sit there and be like, you know what? We really don't have a whole lot on this guy. So, you know, he can go ahead and testify. You know, you, most of the time, you know, back in the day, you would think that an attorney would be like, you know, I, this guy is really going to hurt my case. But if I'm being honest, I, I can't really do anything about it. You know, so he can go up there and if I lose the case, I lose the case. You know what I mean? I, I fought for my, I fought for the government as best I could, or I fought for my client the best I could, you know, and with, uh, you know, someone like Frank Butler, they're essentially just professional aggressors. So they had something over Frank when they arrested Frank or when they showed up at his house and stole all of his shit and questioned him about all this stuff they never charged them okay but they seized an ar pistol a 300 blackout ar pistol from him that was illegally modified right so you know i don't know if any of your uh uh people that know anything about guns know that if you got a short barrel ar-15 okay and it's got a pistol brace on it it's classified as a pistol and you don't have to register pay the $200 tax stamp to register it with the NFA, right? And so the, the ATF, ATF plays fast and loose with all this bullshit too, to be fair. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So essentially what, you know, Frank did was he had this fucking, you know, uh, big dookie ass tripod on his fucking short barrel 300 blackout and like a, a foregrip too, right? Just some shit on there. And they're like, oh, well, that makes it illegal because it's not registered as a SBR. So they took the gun and never charged him. They never charged him for it. So then when that came around for him to go and testify, they probably was just like, yo, we got this on you right here. You're facing criminal charges. And that's like a five, 10 year thing. You lose, you lose all your gun rights. You can never get them back. You know what I'm saying? There's you're fucked, bro. If you get caught with something like that, you're doing five to 10 
pretty much guaranteed and you're never going to be able to buy a gun again. So he still has some of his guns. So he's like, no, nah, dude, fuck that. I'm not going to risk that. I mean, what are you going to do? You have the government just who was like just initiating mass coercion and aggression against every single person that they don't like, you know, and threatening to kidnap people and put them in cages for the rest of their life, you know? Yeah. Uh, another, you know, this kind of, you know, ties into all of this, uh, the a common theme seems to be the disparity between the prosecution's uh, evidence and your evidence. And not that you guys didn't have any, it was that your, you guys' shit was so often being barred from being entered into the uh, cases. Uh, whereas basically nothing was being barred from the prosecution and they had a mountain, whereas you guys had a molehill and they, you know, they kept, you know, barring you guys at every, every chance they can get. I mean, it's it, for it, I mean, you take into account the fact they guys they essentially been monitoring you guys for months or however long it was like six months collecting all this stuff on you. And then you go to trial and then they won't even let you admit a bunch of stuff you have, which you guys hadn't been spending this time collecting evidence. So like the, the, the disparity here is already fucked to begin with. And then on top of that, then they keep you from holding stuff. It, it, you know, like even if they let you guys enter whatever you wanted into the case, they already would have a disparity to begin with without holding, holding you guys back because of the fact that it's not like you guys got a heads up and were allowed to take notes the whole time or anything. So, you know, you guys are getting, you know, uh, fucking railroaded with this all of a sudden. Uh, I don't know. I wanted to get you to touch on a little bit. And maybe you can provide specific examples or just, you know, speak on it broadly because it is kind of wild the, the, the extent that went with all this shit. Yeah, absolutely. They, they, you know, the judge uh, just favored the government so much in this case. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing that me and Dan, you know, were acquitted and we actually got through this situation. That's why doing what I'm doing right now is so important, you know, and it's so important for me to go on, on, you know, shows like this to be able to talk about this stuff to inform people because it's absolutely amazing that that happened. And, and, and to also show the just total corruption of, you know, what's really going on in the legal system. You know, one thing that I really remember specifically is like, you know, the defense, we wanted to be honest about a few things and just to be like, look, there, there's all these statements and there's all this evidence that we have that the FBI just created and fabricated this whole thing you know here's here's a list of you know 260 statements okay that show and prove that there wasn't an agreement that there wasn't a conspiracy right and we'll try to bring it to the judge and the judge can look at it and say okay well this can come in that can't come in or whatever well the judge looks at it and just like pretty much bars everything from coming in ever so like, even if the government like brings it up in trial, you can barely even touch on it because the judge ruled that it wasn't allowed to come into court. So if the government kind of does some little slick shit and slips it in there, you know, the defense can't even refute against it because the judge is like, well, I said, you can't bring that up. So, you know, and mind you, this is why this is where the, when the government is playing like 20 second clips out of recordings that are like eight hours long and the defense is over here like, yo, dude, we have like a thousand statements and, and audio recording from your uh, agents that we want to play in court. And the prosecution is like, no, nah, we don't want that in. <laughs> like, OK. Yeah. Uh, one more thing on this specific topic. Uh, I think this is in the last round of trials, which, you know, you kind of alluded to. And I think you're probably correct that a lot more fuckery, uh, a lot more uh, 
pressure was probably being put on the state to, you know, really get the conviction here. Because, uh, I mean, you guys had already got off. I mean, I might be wrong. Uh, it's kind of hard to parse all this stuff uh, with, you know, as much as there is here. But, uh, you know, I guess in the latest rounds of trials where they end up getting convicted, they set limits on the defense where they would only let them do 25-minute limits on cross-examinations, whereas they would give the prosecution as much time as they wanted. And on top of that, uh, the judge multiple times made disparaging comments against the, the defense, you know, just kind of shitting on be like, this is crap, blah, 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 which, I mean, that doesn't seem like something a judge should be doing. They should be remaining impartial or not providing their opinions, at least in that, not in that manner, uh, you know, which right. would obviously affect the jury. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you have anything to add to that because it is, that is, I mean, that's just, that's wild to me. They, they guess they accuse the defense of wasting time. Which, I mean, you know what? I mean, in my opinion, they, the fucking defense should be able to waste as much time as they want because uh, these are the people that actually have a stake in the matter, whereas the prosecution are the people who have nothing nothing at stake aside from maybe reputations. So Right. Right, absolutely. You know, these guys are facing life, you know, double life in prison. And the whole reason why the defense wants to get more specific is because the government doesn't want that. The government wants to just like, you know, throw this little thing at you and then have the jury not even think about it and just be like, oh my God, that's scary. Yep, convict them. But the defense is like, yo, we need to go, let's dive really deep specifically into this event and explain it. You know what I mean? And the judge did similar shit in the first trial. You know, I think that he was just pissed that me and Dan were acquitted. So he just clamped down even harder because he said some shit to my attorney that was really fucked up bro like he said like i don't give a shit about your case you know like talking about me bro and my attorney was like dude well my clients are important to me so i want to bring this up because that guy's lying you know what i'm saying and the judge is just like you know essentially cutting him off and stuff like that and just telling them to like shut up essentially and uh he just did that even more this time around you know, you can't sit there and say, oh, your argument's crap or your argument's trash or say, you know what, I'm going to tie the other hand behind your back. So now you can't even throw a punch, you know, to defend yourself. So it's just, you know, it's, it's just so lopsided against you when the government is, you know, wants you. They all work together to try whatever they can to get your body in that cage for as long as possible, bro. Yeah. Uh, I want to touch on uh, Croft. I believe this is Croft. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know I've heard you talk about it before. I believe this is on Radix's channel. Uh, they surveilled him for, uh, you know, I think for a decent amount of time. And I believe this was some like high tech shit. Like they pulled out the big guns for this. I believe it was like drones or some shit. They were fucking following his ass. Uh, and you know, and this was this, what triggered all this was just Facebook posts, uh, which I mean, I'm not sure what the content of the Facebook post was, but I'm sure it probably wasn't really anything that bad, but, and then come to find out that like literally all he did, like most people do is they fucking went to work, came home and, you know, left for work again the next day and, you know, so on and so forth. And they wasted probably tens of thousands and maybe even more. I'm not sure the kind of money that goes into an operation like that. Uh, if you could expand on that, that'd be, because I, I think find that to be very fucking wild that they went to that extent to surveil someone just based off of a Facebook post to try to make their case. 
Oh, yeah. Um, absolutely, man. I mean, if you look at the document on why they launched the investigation on me and you ask yourself what illegality was occurring with this gentleman that made them want to launch an investigation on this guy. And when you're reading it, it's like, dude, nothing. Like I wasn't doing anything illegal. Oh, uh, Mr. Caserta, Mr. Caserta showed interest in building a suppressor. Okay, well, that's legal for me to do that. I can go fucking machine my own fucking suppressor, bro, and tell the ATF, yo, dude, I got this shit that I'm about to drill a hole in. So just letting you guys know, bro, you know, and they go, okay, well, can you wait a little bit and just give us money so you can, before you do that? Yeah, sure, bro. Fuck you. And then get the fucking paperwork and drill the motherfucking hole. You know what I'm saying? That shit's so, but that's a reason that they used to <laughs> launch an entire terrorist investigation on me. It was just like, yeah, I, I yeah, I could use a suppressor. I, I think that would be good for my 10 and a half inch. Right. Um, you know, things like that. The, as far as the surveillance, bro, they have that crazy ass aerial surveillance on everybody, dude. They not only had it on Barry, but they had it on, uh, yeah, everyone. But actually, before I talk about that, I want to talk about what you just said as far as, um, you know, the Facebook post stuff. Now, this is something that the FBI and these, you know, authoritarian police continuously say over and over again, like, we're not going against the First Amendment. Like, we respect the First Amendment. You know, we're not violating your First Amendment right, you know. And then they keep saying that over and over, but then they keep using, you know, First Amendment protected activities, bro, against you. They say, well, we, he has a First Amendment right to say that, but we're still going to investigate him based off that statement. You know, but we're not violating the First Amendment, even though we totally are right in your face. But as long as we, that's not that's not what we're doing 30 times in a row, people are just going to think that, oh, well, maybe they're not. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like a cop uses against, against you and he's like, I'm trying to protect you. And it's like, stop protecting me, bro. Like, I don't want you to protect me against my will. That doesn't make any sense. And uh, yeah, so they did that surveillance on us, bro. They spent millions of dollars on this case. I mean, they were hovering over my apartment and hovering over my work, all right, for days, bro. Like I'm literally just driving my car to and from work and they got night vision, infrared, you know, black and white, whatever kind of light spectrum you want to look through in a camera. That's what the fuck they got. And they're just circling over everyone's houses and there's nothing even happening, bro. Like we're not even doing anything. We're literally just in a chat room talking shit on our phones. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And, but they, but the reason why they did that is they had to do that to make it seem like there was something going on. Like, Oh, well, if we show this aerial footage, you know what I'm saying? Above, they're going to think it's real serious. And that was, there was a real operation going on that the FBI just had to come in and, and save the day. You know what I'm saying? And one more thing, they did that with us as far as certain videos too. Right. So you would watch a video of us training and it would just be like some basic stuff. Right. But if you edit it in certain ways, and like while the video is going, if you snap a person in a certain angle, it makes it look like really bad, like they're evil and stuff. You know what I'm saying? And then if you just apply your own context to that picture or that little tiny video clip that you made, you can totally make someone like just walking down the street like, hey, what's up, man? You can make them look like they're about to use violence against someone. You know what I'm saying? They're about to do something evil and nefarious. And that's really all they did with the surveillance stuff and, you know, these videos and shit that they made. 
Yeah, I mean, they could just catch you on the phone and be like, and here he is on the phone with uh, another person involved <laughs> in the case making plans and uh, like and, and apply their own narrative. And, and it could even it's it's a, the malice quote of like factual but not truthful. It's kind of the deal where it's like they could be like, yeah, you are on the phone with that person uh, discussing this thing. But it's like the way they frame it makes it seem way different than it is. Uh, I got a super chat. Uh, JC, uh, frequent guy, shows up in streams. All my homies hate Whitner, Whitmer. Yeah, boy, <laughs> fuck that bitch. Uh, uh, but uh, I wanted to bring up uh, one thing. Uh, I you know I think this is a key point to bring in. Even Dan, Dan Chapel, admitted uh, in August of 2020 there was no plan to kidnap the governor. This was no no, no legitimate plan whatsoever. Uh, so, I mean, I don't really expect you to say much on that at all. Cause I mean, that's just, I'm just stating that. I just think that's important to point out. And then it's in August. So I'm assuming this was like in the early, very early. Cause then you were basically in jail for like two years. So like, this was super early on, uh, you know, that, you know, it could have saved a whole lot of time right there and be like, all right, well, let's go home. Uh, case closed, you know, <laughs> like, uh, like this doesn't even rise. And as I've said in previous ones, it just seems weird because like the normal game you play with, like the informant game dealing with like, uh, you know, targets is, you know, you, you make them commit a crime, uh, but you, you set up in a way to where like you say it's like a, a gun with like inert, like say blanks or say like an inert bomb. Right. Uh, but they didn't even rise to it on this, which is, is like insane for me. For One, it's, it's insane because it's a domestic thing, whereas this has normally been like something they reserve for like terrorists. Or not even really terrorists, like people they you know essentially give every little thing possible. They prey on you know you know sad people and essentially you know give them like you know delusions of grandeur and then like fucking you know make them essentially give them every means to commit a crime that could possibly be done. Uh, you know, preying on a sad person and then they kind of do it and it's like okay, there's a case to be made there to some extent. Like okay. Uh, sure, sort of, if put in this situation and that situation, and then, you know, like, okay, they did it, uh, sort of, um, which, I mean, I still don't agree with that. It's kind of fucked up, but it's a whole other level when it's like, they didn't even fucking do it. <laughs> like, and, and that's like a, a frequent point I keep bringing up. It's like, they, it's like they have this like game they play and they didn't even honor their, like, and their game is already fucked up to begin with. And they didn't even honor their end of the deal with this stupid fucking game they play uh, in, in this situation. Uh, what I want to end on, I'm kind of surprised. We, we actually hit on pretty, basically everything I want to hit on. Uh, so this will be the last one. I wanted to hit. Uh, I wanted to get your. I wanted to hear it from you. I know it's two separate ones because I know you didn't get arrested with the whole group. But I want to hear your your uh, your take on the arrest when they finally arrested all the guys, and, and, we'll, and then after that, let's get we'll get your 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 situation when you got arrested. Yeah. So what happened with them is, you know, I was separate. I was at work. Um, you know, the informant, Dan Chapel, he tried to get me to go with them by, you know, this is the way they do it. They try to lure you in by things you like. Right. So you got dudes who love guns, who love the second amendment. Okay. So if you're offering them, you know, it's like a race car driver, someone who street races. If you're like, Hey bro, I got a buddy, I'm going to go over his house and he's got a bunch of fucking cams and, you know, flex pipes and, you know, motors and stuff that we can just get for free. 
you know, that person's going to be like, oh, shit. Okay, that sounds kind of sweet. So that's how they tried to lure me in is like, hey, man, we're going to meet up with Red and go get some food. But he's got a bunch of gear. He's got holsters. He's got plate carriers, stuff like that. So he's just kind of giving it away. It's stuff that people left, you know. Um, they just kind of, he held a training event and they just left it there and never came and got it. So if you guys want to get some of this stuff, you know, come on through. And I'm like, well, sorry, bro. I got to work. You know what I mean? He's like, oh, okay, no, it's fine. So, you know, they picked me up at work. Now what happened to those guys is like, those guys wound up going with him because they thought they were getting free gear. Okay. So they're about to go get some food and, and some free gear and shit. And I wasn't there, but I watched, they had surveillance of the whole thing. Right. So you, I can, I'm sitting there watching on the computer, these guys pull into this like abandoned, you know, uh, this abandoned warehouse parking lot. And prior to that, you're seeing all the agents set up, you know, and getting their position and all that, you know, the guys haven't arrived yet. So they're getting ready. And then the guys arrive and they, you know, they pull up kind of towards the bay doors and then you next thing you know, dude, you see these MRAPs roll up and these agents are literally shooting flashbangs off the top of it down at them. And you hear boom, 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 just these super loud explosions. And then you can see that there were, they had guys on the roof. They had multiple armored vehicles. They had MRAPs and uh, whatever the cat one's called, like uh, cat something, it's like a fucking cat car or some shit. I don't know. Whatever name they have for it. They had that. They had like so many people, all of them shining their lasers, you know, pointing their guns at them. You know, Dan said he looked down and he looked and he looked at his chest, dude, and he had like 20 lasers on his chest. And he's just sitting there smoking a cigarette. Like he gets out of the car and he's like, yeah, I'm going to smoke a cigarette real quick. He's sitting there smoking a cigarette. Next thing you know, you hear all these explosions and he's got lasers pointed at him. And he's like, yeah, uh, this isn't very good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and mind you, these agents, dude, were wearing quad night vision and shit. Like it wasn't even nighttime, bro. It was like six o'clock or, you know, five, five something. Actually, yeah, maybe around there uh, that they got them. So that's still daylight. You can see you don't need to wear quad night vision and have all this super expensive gear and be blowing up flashbangs and have, you know, four M wraps, you know, armored vehicles rolling up on these guys in like 50s. So it's just so it's just a theater, bro. It's the thing. It's a theater. It's totally overkill. And they just wasted money on it to make it look real, to make it look like it was something actually going on. I mean, they got to look cool. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. And they want to look cool. Oh yeah. We're fighting terrorism, man. Like, yeah. Okay, bro. Yeah. All right. Well, let's hear, I want to hear your, how you ended up getting, getting got, uh, and, and, uh, that'll be probably where we finish it out on. Okay. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was like pretty simple, dude. Like I'm a working man, you know, I was at the machine shop. I ordered up my lunch. Uh, I usually get the same thing. Uh, I call it the spicy Brando. Actually, it's such a good burger. It's got a double bacon cheeseburger. Okay. With onion, jalapeno, and avocado. All right. And cheese. So I order that, you know, I might get a Reuben on the side, you know, with some extra thousand Island, but anyways, you know what I'm saying? Check out Bodie's corned beef. And again, that place again, that place is the shit. So I order my food. I'm about ready to leave for lunch. And my boss is like, Hey bro, uh, you know, the shop, essentially the shop manager, right? Yeah. He wants to talk to you for a second. And I was like, really? I thought he was gone. 
And he's like, nah, he's, he's still here. He just wants to talk to you real quick before you leave for lunch. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. So I'm walking, do, 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 you know, I'm walking down the hall. And I didn't realize till afterwards, but I'm like, man, it's kind of empty in here. But all right, whatever. You know, so I'm walking. He's like, yeah, just go right through here. You know, he'll be over there. I'm like, uh, okay. So I walk in this room and it's like dark, you know, I'm looking around. I'm like, what the fuck? And next thing you know, like the lights flick on and then like 20 plainclothes FBI agents, they don't even say they're FBI. They're just like, get the fuck down on the ground, motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Tackle me down to the ground. Dude, start rummaging through my pockets and shit. And I'm just like, what the fuck, dude? Like, who the fuck are you? You put your hands behind your back, motherfucker. I will fuck you up. I'm like, bro, like, what the fuck is going on, dude? You know, but you got any weapons? I'm like, no, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, who are you? You know what I mean? What are you doing here? Mind you, they were all masked up. So they have baklavas over their face. You couldn't see who they were. You know, they essentially just kidnapped me, like, for real. Threw me in the back of an unmarked car. And I remember, uh, you know, before I got out, you know, they took me outside and I'm thinking like, bro, this gang just fucking like kidnapped me. They're about to fucking murder me, bro. And I didn't even fight back. Like, wow, bro, what a fucking coward, right? I was so mad at myself. And uh, they walked me up to this guy who was just like, you know, this tall, skinny guy who was slicked back hair, you know, and the guys were like, is this him? You know, his henchman that kidnapped me was like, is this him? And he's like, what's your name? I was like, what? He's like, are you Brandon? I'm like, yeah. He was like, yep, that's him. Throw him in there. I'm like, okay, bro. What the fuck? Is this some mob shit or something? Like, what the fuck is going on, bro? So, and, and mind you, a little bit after that, we drove around, to, you know, to, to, I guess they needed to give, like one of the agents needed to give the other agent something, right? And the agent was like holding my keys up. And they were like, is this your, are these your keys? And I was like, yeah. They're like, which one is to your house? Listen, bro. I literally have fucking two keys on my fucking key ring. I got the one for my fucking house and the one for my fucking car. You're already in my car, bro. Which one you think is for the house? You know what I'm saying? And he's like, oh, so you're not going to tell me? Well, if you don't tell us, we're just going to kick the fucking door in. And I'm just like, whatever, bro. <laughs> like, whatever you want to do, dude. You know what I mean? So it's just a get, a get go. These people just treat you like absolute trash and disrespect you. And they don't give a fuck about you, bro. They say that they're for justice and all this stuff. Listen, all they got to do is get a piece of paper from their, their, from their authority figure that says, Hey, uh, go kidnap this person. And they go, okay, yep. No problem. They don't look into if the person's innocent or not. They don't, they just get a piece of paper that just tells them what to do. And then they do it just like an order follower, like a dog. Yeah. Uh, real quick. Uh, someone asked about the, uh, the, the whole group getting, uh, I'm assuming it says it's all on video. How do we watch? I'm assuming it's not publicly available. I would assume that yeah so they got that whole discovery on lockdown dude it's even though everything's you know finished with they got that shit on lockdown well all right uh, i think we're at a good spot to end if you want to go ahead and drop your plugs real quick again we'll go ahead and get out of here i appreciate your time this be good i hope you can get on other shows i know you got on thad's show i don't know if you've been on other shows as well uh, i'm hoping we can keep moving the story uh moving around uh but yeah, yeah, I appreciate your time and uh, it's crazy what happened to you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Check me out on uh, Radix Verum's channel. 
Um, you know, I did a couple episodes with her. Uh, check me out on Thaddeus Russell, Russell's uh, unregistered podcast. That's a good one as well. And, you know, if you guys want to help me out with just a couple bucks, I mean, at any little thing helps me out while I'm trying to build my life back up. Just go to givesengo.com slash kinetic truth. And uh, it'll explain, you know, everything you'll see me on there. And if you want to throw a couple bucks my way, dude, I would I would really appreciate it because things are a little bit rough right now. And I know things are rough for everyone, dude, with inflation and, you know what I'm saying, all this shit that's going on. Like the, it's like the state is just squeezing us harder and harder and harder until we just burst. You know what I mean? But, you know, uh, you can give me a follow on Kinetic Truth uh, on TikTok, uh, Kinetic underscore Truth. And then same thing with Instagram, uh, kinetic underscore truth. And if you want to add me as a friend on Facebook or Twitter, it's just go ahead and just search my name right down there in the bar and you'll find me, bro. Let's talk about freedom. Yeah. I mean, if you guys definitely, if you have the money, obviously I'm not saying anyone go fucking, if you're already in a bad spot, you know, I mean, you'd be stupid to donate to anyone in general, but if you have the means to help someone out, I mean, Brandon has, you know, spent two years in jail, completely lost his, lost his job everything was found innocent and that's how this works you know it's kind of fucked up how this shit works is you can be completely innocent and you know spend years in jail and still they just completely destroyed your life and you know you get nothing to show for it in the end it's not like you're going to get any uh recompense whatsoever it's not like they're going to hook you up with a job nothing you, they just fucked you and left, left you high and dry uh so i mean i definitely suggest it if you guys can uh, and yeah, if you guys see anybody else, any any you know shows out there that are looking for guests and they seems up the up, up their alley, you know, definitely suggest them. Uh, you know, uh, I was the one who set you up with Thad. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm if I if there's anyone else out there, I mean, I'll try to do that as well. But uh, yeah, I appreciate your time. Um, please share this around, or at least share Brandon around, or or share the fucking Radix Verum one. Doesn't have to be my show or Thad's show. I don't care. Uh, just share it around to get the story out. Uh, but yeah, this is um, this is the No Way Jose show. You can go on YouTube, all major auto packages, obviously as well. If you want to follow me, I'm at Senor Jose 2020 on Twitter. I'm Jose Galison on Facebook. I get nuked frequently on Twitter, so uh, yeah, it's probably good to have that backup <laughs> if you want that. Patreon.com slash No Way Jose 2020. But you know, if if you're gonna give out money, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I do like to get uh, some money for this if I can. But you know, if if you're thinking about giving me money and it's between me or Brandon, give Brandon money. So. Uh, for sure. But uh, like, you. share, subscribe, Thank comment, you. all that good stuff. And with that, we are out. Appreciate it, Brandon. Thank you.